0: Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience podcast where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education. Today, we have one very influential mind with us. No, I'm not talking about you, Elizabeth, although you can be called influential. Could be. We have another anthologist with us, dare I say. Uh, We are live here at the Anthology Together conference. We're honored to be here. And uh, Liz, it has been a fun experience, has it not so far?
1: It's been phenomenal. This is the most fun I've had, I think, at any conference in my life. Me too. So I'm thrilled. Is this to be also here. the first
0: conference you've attended, or no?
1: Well, you know, I've had a, a very long and illustrious com- <laughs> higher education career. So. I must tell
0: you, um, I, I did turn down your mic. You, t- and, you
1: turned down my mic. How dare I you? And then had to turn it
0: back up because. Uh. You know, you you need to resonate, Liz. I you're, have to. Your voice carries. And, and so. you know
2: who else resonates?
0: Yes, I do. Dr. Jen Beyer here with Anthology. And- Speaking
2: of voices that carry.
0: Oh, yeah. Love it. Jen, how are you?
2: I'm very good, thanks. We're so glad that you're here with us this week.
0: Well, I am and glad we're to be so We're it, it is an honor to be here. And yeah. we've talked to some amazing people, but not as amazing as you. Ooh, um, thanks. And so tell us what you do at Anthology. And inform our listeners what you do.
2: Yeah, so really excited to be here. Uh, here at Anthology, I am the vice president of product management, and I look after solutions in the CRM and engagement space. So how do we help our college and university partners better connect with their community, whether it's their prospects and future students, working helping them work through the enrollment cycle, Or once they enroll and how do we keep them communicating and uh, staying on track? And then most importantly, uh, how do we support them once they leave us and they graduate and become alumni?
0: Okay, so you're in you're in my zone.
2: Excellent, my special zone. It's a fun world to be in in the CRM space.
0: It, it is it, it is a fun world. CRMs can also at times be very complicated. Yep. Implementation is very tough if you're moving from one system to another. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about yeah. the advantages of of Anthology. What you guys can offer from a CRM standpoint that makes it easy to be in the CRM in general.
2: Yeah, I love that. I mean, I started this whole career actually on campus. I was running an admissions team and this was a long time ago where we thought it was safe to just like bulk mail out of Outlook. And um, you, can't do that anymore. you cannot and, <laughs> and got blacklisted. This is gonna date myself by Hotmail. And so, yeah. Yeah. So um Did we you learned have a hotmail
1: account? I do have a right. Hotmail. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> since ninety-two I've had I know. That, so. My sister still rocks her AOL account yeah, and I, I judge mean... her every time. Uh, but you know, what we learned and and that has really I've kept with me since I know we're laughing about AOL. I've kept that with me even now as I lead the product team is really thinking about how do we just make it easy for staff, right? So your point around like why is anthology different and how can we help from that implementation? I think It's a couple of things. First of all, our team of anthologists are full of people who have spent their lives working on campus, right? They come from that practitioner background. So when I'm thinking about what the experience for our users is, I know how important every click is because when you magnify that by every minute of every hour of every day and the tens of thousands of students That's valuable time that I would really rather my staff be spending talking and supporting their communities. And so we take that approach in everything that we do, right? So we always are asking ourselves, what's the problem that we're trying to solve and how can we help you get there? And then how can we prescribe for you as a customer who's implementing, how do we help you take advantage of best practices based on the number of customers that we have, the number of implementations we've done, while we all, you know, have our unique processes on campus, I think our library of best practices and our expertise really helps our new customers see that value faster. And we get those small wins quickly that generate excitement and momentum, and we build on that.
0: How, rece- how receptive are schools in general to technology changes, especially when it comes to their CRM? Because I, I say this as an enrollment and marketing person who's yeah. like a person, yeah, a professional. I'm going to yeah. dare, dare I say Expert. professional. Expert
2: guru even. i mean if you Ooh, want to that's use that. a big word guru
0: I, I, I try a couple others you guys are getting closer <laughs> um, uh, it, it, i've been in space for a while um and uh, you know it changes hard and you yeah. get really really tied in and loyal to systems that may not even work yes but yes they, they don't work comfortably yes. for you garbage yes. in garbage out as they yeah. say right yeah you can report on data all day long if the data is bad coming in yeah it tells a story. Maybe yeah. not be the one you need to tell, but it's the one you have. How, how, what's the resistance look like? Is it, you know, because we've just, let me ask you this way. What's the, the receptiveness post-pandemic, or as we're getting closer to post-pandemic worlds, is the receptiveness changing?
2: I think so. I mean, I think what we saw in the pandemic, I mean, in a lot of industries, but higher ed especially, we had to go fast, right? We took schools who said, I will never even support... Logging assignments in an online LMS, you have to come to class and take a syllabus, right? To now everything's virtual. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we would only take paper transcripts for an admissions decision, right? Mm-hmm. And now, paper transcripts. yeah, and oh. now, that, now nobody can come to campus to get the mail. So now, what do we do, right? And so, I think that that, like in a lot of us in many aspects of our lives, has caused us to say, well, wait a minute. Do I really have the right tool for the job? Am I really spending my time where it matters? And so I think what I have seen and talking with schools coming out is that yes, they're interested in change, um but that that pain of change needs to be you know less than the pain of staying the same and so how can we help our schools incrementally get better right maybe it's adding a new channel maybe it's a slow transition from an old CRM to a new CRM but really like i clearly identifying those key spots where i need to make that change i think that's what we're starting to hear more of is that They know that those access databases and those mail merges and those um, blasts of communication are just too noisy and no one is listening. Throwback to the access database. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I mean, listen,
1: CRM's come a long way, Mm -hmm. come a long way. But to even uh, take a step back further than that, do they even, because Joe talked about change management, Do they even understand the importance of a CRM? Because both Joe and I come from the admissions world where your CRM is everything. That's That's your goal. Right. We start there. But do do you find the institutions as a whole really understand all the moving pieces of how a CRM can help them and, and how essential it is to their success and their survival?
2: Is that something that they're aware of? But do you have to educate them a I lot I think on that? they're getting there, mm. right? Because I like to think CRM has always been popular in the three A's, admissions, advancement, athletics. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. We understood it, but even then I would challenge that did admissions, did those areas really know it? They knew that they used it right. to communicate, right? right? And in some cases, I think we could call CRM a glorified email tool. Right. Yes, a for a long cases. time, yeah. right? Uh, I think advancement is a little bit better, right? Because they kind of recognize the like research elements of, of donors and, and wealth and that kind of thing. Um, and man, those athletics people, they just, you know, they've got all the bells and whistles over at that side of campus. But yeah. what I think is interesting, and I think this is really where I think COVID has pushed us, is that student success And that current student engagement has never talked about CRM. That was almost a dirty word, right? They talked about advising management. They talked about case management. And, and, you know, even in my career, we used tools that helped us to have a better one-on-one conversation. That is not scalable. And when I can't be on campus to see my students and my students can't be on campus to see me, I need a different solution. And so I think that's where we're seeing CRM now start to grow Outside of those three A's, because they're saying, you know, I need a way to communicate and I need my students to hear me. And they're not opening their email, which is kind of a lie. They actually do still like to get email, but they just want it to be purposeful. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's where CRMs and that power of the data that you talked about, right, and the tools that they really have, that's where I think it's now starting to really resonate and change. And even I think admissions is starting to say, like, we can't. We can't send recruiters everywhere anymore. We have to think differently. And so, what do we have in our toolbox that can help?
0: You know, one of the areas that that uh, I get most excited about is the the, the mapping of the journey yeah. through a technology system. Yeah. You know, when it, let's say five, ten, even five, ten years ago, uh, for me, maybe uh, what thirty years ago for you, Liz, at least, uh, probably more. Uh, I've this we'll she's a prodigy. <laughs> A child I, I I would go okay I need a CRM I need an SIS yep. I need I, I you know if if my CRM and I'm going back for me 6 years it what would have been considered a fairly large institution with 10,000 students in, yeah. the, in the for-profit space Yep I had a CRM and an SIS and the CRM ended at application mm-hmm. and then the student had to be we, we, you had to create a technology a mapping technology that took the application or whatever you want to call it enrollment at that point mapped it to the sis overnight or within yep. 24 hours or two hours didn't matter and then manually figure out my acquisition cost oh, now yeah. as we
2: i love where we're going with this you know, as we <laughs> get to
0: um not as we get to we are in one of the most competitive environments in the history of higher education yeah it's just starting it, yep. it's it's manifesting itself to be brutal bloodbath and uh, maybe people don't agree with me but there's less students there's more money being flooded into Mm -hmm. digital marketing you go to any school across the country there's no such thing as regional or geographical Mm -hmm. boundaries at all so the one advantage that you can put into place is technology and understanding Mm -hmm. what are my acquisition metrics Mm -hmm. from cost to, to, for my initial cost to enrollment, for my cost to retention, to withdraw, to LOA, to graduation. And can I get a system that does all that for me? And, and do I need that? And can Anthology do it? And, and why do I need it?
2: Yeah. So I, I uh, like I'm here for what you're saying, because that is really what drives me. I think you're absolutely right. Historically, it was CRM and SIS. And CRM was something that either marketing had or admissions had. But it, it was just, it was like tertiary data. Like it didn't matter.
0: Just name an email. Name and and email.
2: just send them an email. And it really was only when they hit the SIS. And, and what we have at Anthology have been really trying to help the market to understand and help our, our industry to understand is that a person is a student for a finite period of time. And we can define when that starts, right? When do they actually become a student or not? But, but it's a finite period of time. But they have a relationship with your institution that is much broader and much deeper and much longer. And so we have to redefine what this idea of a system of record is, right? So we have to redefine, when do they become a student? <clears throat> what does it mean to be a student? And then what does that full relationship mean? And that lifetime means, value. Yeah, yeah. And that is everything from like, okay, so great, I sent you one email and you enrolled. Fantastic. But then guess what? You dropped out. So that that actually is more expensive for me because mm-hmm. now I've lost you. Right. So where are my where is my not just my my lead acquisition cost, but where's my graduate acquisition cost to your point, right? That lifetime value. And so now if I can start to trace that back. And I can start to say, okay, this kind of investment early on, these kinds of events, this student profile is the kind of student who is participating, they are graduating, they are becoming engaged alumni. Now how does that ultimately go back now and reshape what I do in my recruitment cycle and who am I chasing and what is the kind of staff that I need to hire and what are the tools that they need? And so as we look at solutions like Anthology Reach, which is our full lifecycle CRM. It has purpose-built tools to support that admissions process and that recruitment process, that current student engagement with advising and alerting, and then the alumni through RAISE with the ability to do you know fundraising and donor management. I've got that full 360-degree view of that person, that golden, that magical golden person record, but also then those metrics to be able to tie back to those costs and understand where am I investing time, where am I investing resources, where am I investing people that is actually paying off. Do you find that you have to educate the institutions and the leaders
1: and the decision makers and yes. all the stakeholders about that? Because I feel as though sometimes maybe the people that are in the decision-making um Roles don't really understand that whole process.
2: Yeah, and I think it's it's also it's not only that they don't understand it. I also think there's still this like fear of one, it doesn't really work, and two, but that's my data. Right. I worked with a school um, in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, they were implementing an admissions, and the student affairs team said, "Well, we're not even going to pay attention because." You talk about the solution can do it but but they're not going to let us see that data and she used this great example and she said you know we um, part of my team is responsible for programming for current students and we don't understand who's coming in until June but yet our admissions deadline is in November and when we find out in June that we, that actually 90% of the admissions essays all talked about a life-changing event around, I was an athlete, and I thought I might play in college, and then I got hurt. Well, if I knew that information earlier, how could I then change my programming for my students? right and what messaging could i then change about what campus life and intramurals would be like and so i think that that point about education is so important because when we hear enterprise crm we think well the cio is forcing us to do this mm-hmm. right it's it's to save money on technology but we then need to educate about why that, that power of data is so important and how that admissions information ultimately feeds into student success and how that's, that current student engagement feeds into alumni engagement. We have to be really intentional about proof points and stories and data to back that up. And then we need to find those champions to go early, right? Because it, it is a complete culture shift for the way that we work on campus.
0: I don't. I have to think about that and go, how could you operate if you didn't know your students are going to be there for another nine months, seven or eight months from the time? I can't even imagine it, right? Because of the speed at which higher ed is moving now, yeah, or or needs to move. one of the one of the areas that I think is, so important but i'm sure you have to we go back to this training thing is this visibility mm-hmm. data has to be visible mm-hmm. people have to mm-hmm. see it for it mm-hmm. to be real and for it to be shared yep and you know somebody I, I come across it all the time where somebody will say well we don't have access to that um, mm-hmm. if it exists everybody right. should be able to see it right right and know how to pull it and because you know if you're in admissions you might want to know how many people are dropping out in term three or in term six who who enrolled them? Who what, what were what was being said? What messaging yep. did they receive? All of that adds up, right? So how important is visibility as a foundational characteristic?
2: I think that's key. And it's it's contextual visibility, I think, right? Because if I just see a report about retention, I might think, well, those weren't my students that enrolled. Right? Those weren't the kids that I talked to, or those weren't the students that I talked to. Like, mine, of course, are still here.
0: That's when we have really great guests on the podcast, those are my guests. Right. When we have a really bad guest (laughs) on the podcast, those are Liz's guests.
1: Or if we have a really good host that their episodes are listened to and downloaded
2: a lot more. Right. Those are yours. well, you said I mean, it. that's what I heard. That That's what I picked that's up on. That's what they're saying. Dang. Thanks for joining us today. That's in, called contextual uh, yeah.
0: data. Yeah, contextual.
2: right. But I mean, like, that's it, right? Like, if I log into a system and I just see a dashboard and I don't know what it means or how does it apply to me, right, so I think that's what we're, uh, at Anthology, I think that's what we continue to focus on, is how do I not just give you more data? Because at this point now, I think we just have too, much. like, we're getting to the point where there's just too much data, right? But it's, what do I do with it, and why does this matter to me? And so, if I know that, man, the students that we've recruited from this community, those kids are not staying, why am I still going there, right? Like, let's stop recruiting there, or let's change the message. Are we recruiting the wrong kinds of students from, from those communities? And so, I think that's where that shared data that shared mindset that ch- that culture of change right that you talked about that training that we go into and that helps to reinforce that why that visibility really matters
0: can i tell you that sharing data to share data or over-saturating with data as you uh, recount the number of linkedin followers that you have what 80,000 plus go yes, no ahead <laughs> continue I, I, I know you keep saying it yeah. but i well, think I we've hit sure it's saturation point
2: of <laughs> Not for me. Yeah, I will never be saturated. Enough. I actually think it just passed ninety thousand. <laughs> Probably we've while we've been talking, <laughs> I
1: added another ten thousand followers. But I love that you brought up this point, and I I don't want this to go unemphasized. In that we haven't really, I think, really captured the idea of we typically do, we it's business as usual, right? Mm-hmm. In higher ed. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you, that really resonated with me when you talked about the programming aspect, Yeah. because if we're thinking about, well, what's happening with the student today, how is that affecting the student life cycle? What can I do to be proactive in ensuring that these students are retained and these students ultimately, grad, ultimately graduate? I feel like we don't, do a good job with that. or I We think we're though. doing a we good job. We think that we are, but it seems as though if we're doing the same thing year after year, but our students are definitely changing, the demographics yeah. are changing, the type of students we're, we're serving is changing, and we know that that has been happening at least for the past decade. Our way of, of utilizing that information, really we're totally letting that information slide through the drain and we're not taking a hold of it to actually so right. mobilize it. Um, are you finding that schools are receptive to that kind of message or is there some pushback in the sense of well this is how we've always done it so
2: so it's interesting i mean i think so we um are working with an hbcu in downtown baltimore maryland and they um kind of came to us because they had faced that similar problem where they felt like you know we're so connected to our our students we're part of the community They had a lot of longtime employees, and then they started to see that student surveys were coming back and kind of saying the opposite, that the students didn't feel supported. They didn't know where to go for help, and so they really embarked on this journey to understand more of what the student was was looking for, right, and that brought them to say, okay, we need tools to help us. That brought them to, to the REACH solution. But what was interesting is that they'd come to the table and say, yeah, we need to do things different. And we'd say, okay, like here's how we think we can help you solve your problem. Like, but no, but no, but that's not how we do it here. Right. Like that's not how we do things. That's not how we do it. And but but wait, that's that's Marcus's job. Like you've now taken Marcus's job away. I'm like, but but Marcus doesn't want to process an Excel spreadsheet, right? Marcus wants to help your students be retained. Yeah. And so I think it's that, I think that's where that resistance comes from, right? That they come in and they're very excited about the change and they're excited about the opportunity until they're like, well, wait, wait a minute. That means actually I have to do something different, <laughs> right? And I have to carve that time out right. to keep innovating because implementation is not a line, right. it is a circle, right? right? A communication plan is only valuable for like the first time it runs, right? And then we got to learn and we got to adjust, right? That journey map only works until we've actually introduced, right? This, the technology now is introducing a change. Yeah. Once we've done that now, we have to assess, okay, what does that change mean? And now what needs to evolve, right? How do we keep innovating and keep changing and keep evolving? seems like
1: this is as much technology as it is psychology.
2: Oh, it's, I think it's more of the latter. Really? Yeah. It, it, listen, I... Don't tell my boss, but like we could build widgets all, t- all the day, yeah, right. But if yeah. nobody uses it and it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter.
0: I feel the same way about Liz's Zoom skills. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I know I know that there's a technology deficiency, yeah, but it's more psychology. It of, is
1: more psychology. I need the confidence building,
0: right? And I know I know it'll help with that, right? But you by, don't, <laughs>
1: definitely yeah.
2: not. I mean, even finally, we're in person today, and I forgot to turn my microphone on. So I, they're like, You're on mute, and I was like, Oh.
0: You know how many times I, I look at all this equipment, and we we do podcasts all the time now, obviously, and I forget to turn my microphone on yeah. at sixty to yeah. seventy percent of the time.
2: Yeah, we can see your mouth moving, and, I, but and I'll we go can't through the whole you. thing exactly. like this
0: yeah. with the yeah. mic in my hand. I'll take pictures of myself, yeah. and you know what? Yeah. It's not actually on. But
1: I think <laughs> that that goes to the heart of higher education is it's different from business in that there is this tradition, there is this idea of this is how we've done things. Mm -hmm. And and there is this, I think we hold on to that. We cling to it a lot more than I think when you look at Netflix or you look at these other disruptors, Amazon, Uber. I mean, who'd have thought that? You know, even uh, Instacart. I mean, I was talking to my husband and I'm like, a year ago, would you have thought that we would not go to the grocery store? Like, right. you have to go to the grocery store. You right. have to go get groceries. But it's just like, no, we're, now we not, we're used to not doing it. So now we've adopted this as a norm. Yep. And higher ed has been slower to do that because no one's really pushed us. No one's making us make these changes, right?
2: Well, and we just pride ourselves on the relationship side of it, right? We're we're, we're not in a technology world, right? We're in right. a people build. We're in an education world. Right. And, and yes, right? Yes, that's true. But there are things that make it easier for you to do that.
0: You know, one of these days you figure – because you don't have to leave your house to get anything. Right. You watch TV at your house, get your groceries yeah. at your house, get right. Amazon. You could, I don't know. You could have anything in the world delivered to you at this point without leaving. Right. So I imagine, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big gamer. I have a PlayStation 5. I imagine sitting in front of my TV, putting on a virtual goggles, and actually never leaving my house to go into class. Yeah. Like I'm going to step into the classroom through my goggles. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to look left and look right and see you, Liz, on the left and you, Jen, on the right and be able to like wave to you and uh, look at the front. There's an instructor up there. So I'd be in class, but at home yeah, virtually.
2: I mean, I have a 15 year old who started high school this year and uh, where we live, they did not return to school face to face until March. And then I was like, well, you're, you're going to school because I loved school and, and they came home and they said, but mom, I, I would much prefer to be online and virtual. And his all of their best friends. He's a PlayStation guy. No, wait, he's an Xbox guy. Oh. <laughs> Xbox kid. <laughs> and his best friends are all virtual. Yeah. Right. Like yep. all virtual. And so I completely agree with you. Like I, I, I'm having to adjust as a higher ed professional who has loved college from her very first college tour. I am having to adjust my and expectation. took full
0: advantage of the
2: college experience. 100%. Sure. I would go back in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to adjust my expectation of both what what they're going to want out of their own college experience, but more importantly, like what that college experience is going to be. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that idea of online and, you know, badges and, you know, learning by um, experience. I fully anticipate that will be more of 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 their my kid's experience in three years, right? It's, we're not talking about decades from now. In three years, I do not anticipate he has the same traditional experience that we all thought that he would. So, it's what do you mind it, shift, right? It, it, yeah, it's, it's a
0: ready player one. The movie, right? oh,
2: 100%. 100%. So, what's the
0: takeaway, uh, Jen? Um, that you know, you're here, you're talking with people, giving presentations, yeah, CRM, SIS, full ERP implementation. Yeah. What's the one takeaway for all the people here, all the people that are uh, work with Anthology that are not here, and all the people who don't use Anthology? Period, yeah. What do you want them to know about anthology in the future? One thing.
2: I mean, I think for me it is this whole idea of the connected uh campus and that holistic view of a person. And that 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 person evolves over time, but what I knew about them 5 years ago is critical and it informs what I'm going to know about them tomorrow and it, so I think that's what we at Anthology are driving for, that's what you should expect from your CRM vendor regardless of who it is. How do they help make it easier for you to really understand the community that you're working with?
0: There's any final thoughts?
1: I have just been here for this conversation because I love the idea of how we can utilize technology, but also utilize it as a way to build deeper connections with our students. Mm-hmm. That's literally what it's about, being able to take that information yeah. and mobilize that information. And one thing that you said that resonated with me was about the college experience and how we have to let go of necessarily that that means one thing yeah. for all students because it's it's going to be something that's going to evolve now. My kids are 10 and 6 and they're in roadblocks and they can be sitting next to each other and they're running around in this virtual universe. I'm just like, how is that? That's not what I did when I was a kid. We were no. running around on the playground, but that is what they enjoy to do. And I think sometimes uh, as educators and higher ed as a sector, we have to be open to the idea that what you just said the ex- college experience is going to yeah. evolve over time and we just have to be ready for it
0: and there's two people that took full and i mean full advantage oh, yeah. of the 100% and i'm talking about you liz and you jen
1: <laughs> yes
2: um,
0: you
1: too no, sir
2: mr no, 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 no. Uh, 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 party <laughs> he just exploded. Enjoy the library, oh, right? Yeah, that that was steady. that. Yeah, I will tell
0: you. I could tell you the entire Dewey Decimal System of the. Library. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> the
2: card catalog was your best friend, right?
1: <laughs> As you pulled it out to do your research.
0: Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Yet Up Experience podcast here from Anthology together at the Gaylord Texan Hotel in beautiful Dallas, Texas, with Jen Meyer. She's an anthologist, and she's amazing. Jen, thank you for coming on the show.
2: Thank you both. Thank you, Jen.